This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we are joined by Aaron Jones. Aaron is the host and senior producer of the Human Nature podcast. If you are listening to this podcast, chances are you have some sort of connection with the outdoors and a story to tell. The Human Nature podcast is a storytelling podcast that brings human experiences and the natural world together. We are here to hear more about the Human Nature podcast and about some of Aaron's own connection with nature and her adventures. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. So I am kind of curious, like, how did you get started with the outdoors and your own connection with the outdoors? So growing up, my family went outside a lot. We were campers, um, but like I would say casual campers and hikers. And then my brother joined the Boy Scouts. And I remember being really jealous because we didn't, I think there wasn't anything where we lived like that for girls. Um, there was the Girl Scouts, but the troop that I was involved in was not so outdoorsy. And I just watched my brother. He was constantly going camping. He was learning all these skills. He could build a fire. He could do all these things that I didn't get to do and that I wasn't really, I don't know, skills that I didn't have. And so I begged my dad to separately just take me backpacking. And it turned out that in my brother's Boy Scout troop, there were a lot of other siblings, sisters who felt this way. And so we just sort of unofficially started this little group of Boy Scout dads taking their daughters backpacking in high school. I was living in Lubbock, Texas at the time, and I don't know if you've ever been to Lubbock, Texas, but it's um, West Texas. It's very, very flat. There's just cotton fields as far as you can see, tumbleweeds rolling by. (laughs) Um, You can see the curvature of the earth. It's so flat. So there aren't like mountains nearby that you can go backpacking in. And so we would drive to northern New Mexico and southern Colorado. It was like an eight-hour drive, depending on where we went. Sometimes we would drive to southern New Mexico and go hiking in the desert. And so I got like all this experience of the alpine kind of landscapes and the desert. And I remember on one particular trip... It was one of my first ones. It was just me and my dad and we were hiking in Colorado and it was monsoon season because Colorado during the summer in like July and August has these really intense rains that come every afternoon. (laughs) And, And I just remember being so wet and so cold because my rain jacket had just failed And I just was so wet and so cold. But then afterward, looking back, it was kind of type two fun. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) yeah, when you're in those like struggles, you're like, I need out right now. This isn't fun at all. Yes. But looking back on it, it's like the best thing ever. (laughs) Yes. And that's exactly what happened to me after that. I was like hooked. I just felt so powerful. I remember coming off that mountain thinking, I did that. I made it through being cold and wet and I carried everything I needed on my back and how powerful that was. And I was totally hooked by backpacking and still to this day, I think backpacking is my favorite outdoor activity. So that's how it started. 
Well, it's funny that you said Colorado because I noticed like your picture on the podcast page is you on the Colorado Trail. Yes. So did you hike that whole thing? So I set out to hike the whole thing. And then about, I think, I don't know, two weeks or so in, I got this sort of knee injury um, and had to get off the trail. But I, it was such a, it was such a weird thing because I remember feeling like sort of, I think a failure for having to not finish what I had started, but the Colorado trail in a lot of ways for me, I don't know if people are familiar with the Colorado trail. It's a 500 mile um, through hike from Denver to Durango through the mountains of Colorado. And it's really beautiful. It's just this high trail. Part of it aligns with the Continental Divide Trail and it's really gorgeous. You can just see forever and ever and ever. You feel like you're on top of the world on most of it. And I was loving my experience until I got this injury and I just was so mad at myself for having to get off of the trail. But I remember thinking afterward that it was okay because I think that trails tend to be what you make them. Like, I don't think that a person's experience of the trail always has to be exactly what the trail offers. There are as many trails as there are people became my philosophy on that. Right. No, that is so true. I think, especially as a through hiker, you know, through hikers get this mindset that they're going to do the whole thing. And like you said, if you don't do it, you're a failure, but it's really all mindset when you're out there. It's mindset with anything in life. And it's kind of about the experience of it. And that's why I love like podcasting too, and hearing all the people's different stories of how the outdoors has influenced them because people go in so many different directions in the outdoors. And that's kind of like what happens when you're out on the trail, you can go in so many different directions. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's so interesting that you were talking about how like the Girl Scout thing and how girls didn't get to go camping and like, cause I grew up as a Girl Scout too. And I remember doing camping, but not necessarily tent camping. It was cabin camping. And yeah, it was always the boys who were doing the rugged outdoors camping. Yeah, I remember. So I grew up moving around a little bit and um, I lived in Utah and Georgia and Texas. And so when I was eight, we moved from Salt Lake City, Utah to the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. And that was where I joined this Girl Scout troop was in Atlanta. And it was such a culture shock coming from the West because you know, as a kid in the West, everybody went camping, everybody was outside. And then suddenly we were in the deep South and people did not do that, especially girls and women. And so this Girl Scout troop was very shocked when my mom and I were like, why don't we go camping? And they just looked at us like we were crazy. So, I mean, what kind of things were those girls doing then? Were they like teaching them more so to cook in the house or like typical womanly? You know, one, I think that there were a few things that were really good about it. I mean, we did crafts and art, and I think that's really wonderful and important and has definitely informed me a lot. But also um, something I actually really got out of that Girl Scout troop was business of all things. Um, Very like business oriented and, you know, like, encouraging and teaching girls how to start their own businesses right I mean they we do go out and sell cookies as Girl Scouts yeah yeah exactly I think that's actually kind of a core part of Girl Scouts like entrepreneurship which was kind of fun but then there was also another side of that troop where we did babysitting and we learned how to change diapers and things like that and I was less into that Yeah. Okay. I remember that now that you're talking about this, like, cause you could do all that stuff and then earn the special badges for it and put it on your vest. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the camping part was for the men back then, but I mean, there's been such a huge growth in the outdoors of women and like a huge movement, movement of women getting outdoors and everything. So when you go out and do your backpacking trips, are you doing them solo or do you usually go in groups? Um, it depends. Um, this last summer it was in groups. Um, but it happened to be two guy friends of mine that we mostly went with this summer. 
Um, but it has depended. I've gone solo. I've gone, the Colorado trail was solo, but it was fun because I got to know other, other through hikers on that trail. And yeah, it's just been all over the place partners, friends, but honestly, most of the friends that I have that are backpackers tend to be men, but that might just be my experience. I don't know. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I, there's a lot of women that I know, maybe because I also go on like the, I look at like women who hike groups and stuff. So there is a big movement, but when I'm out on the trail, it is, I don't know. It's like 50, 50 now from where, what I see in Minnesota, at least. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I feel like when I go backpacking, I see a lot of women out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is awesome. Um, So I, Colorado, the trail that so you were on there for how many weeks again, did you say? Just a couple weeks. Just a couple of weeks. Okay. And the type of like culture, like the through hiking culture on there, did you, because it's not as big of a trail. So what type of people did you meet? Was there like trail angels on that trail? What was that like? Yeah, um, it was. So the Colorado Trail is interesting because it has these it's it's built in sections. um, So it's designed to be as friendly throughout to day hikers as to backpackers. So every each section on average is about 15 miles, sometimes less, sometimes more, which means that there's a trailhead every 15 miles um, on the trail. So you actually run into, it feels like a highway. There's so many people because you run into a lot of local day hikers throughout, um, which my understanding is that's pretty unusual for, for through hikes. Is that the case? Uh, well, I mean, we have a trail here in Minnesota called the Superior Hiking Trail, which you're probably familiar with. And I know that trail gets very trafficked with day hikers, but it's also really popular for through hikers as well. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so maybe it's about the same then. The Colorado Trail is um it's both. It's day hikers and through hikers. But I I sort of took up with um several through hikers that were kind of on the same schedule as me. Um one was what I a group of men, these three guys, a father and his two sons called that I refer to as the Kentuckians because they were from Kentucky. And they had the most beautiful accents. And it was just this dad and his two like teenage high school age sons. Um, and we just like kept running into each other and encouraging each other, um, which was really cool. And then the other group of people were these two women um, who were had come separately to the trail. But like, you know, they, they ended up hiking together because they were pretty similar pace. But I ran into them a lot. And they ended up giving me my trail name. <laughs> I, it was raining. I was thought I was totally alone. I was hiking on the side of this meadow and I rounded this copse of trees and suddenly there were these two people there and I screamed and they said my trail name then was Spook. <laughs> but yeah, so they were kind of interesting women. One of them had, was a very seasoned through hiker and she had hiked the AT, the Appalachian Trail. And um the other one, this was her first through hike, but she was getting over a divorce and, and like had fallen in love with this new guy, but it seemed as though that was headed for heartbreak. And I think it's so interesting on through hikes, how you really connect with these people who are really just in these moments of their lives that are so human and so, I don't know, just connecting and beautiful and vulnerable. It's really interesting. I don't, I can't really think of many other moments or I guess contexts where you would really be so open with strangers in the way that you are on a through hike. Right, exactly. And like, I've never done a through hike, but I've spent time on the trail, like in like stretches of four to five days. And I totally, totally get where you're, where you're going with that. It's just like when you're out there, there's nothing else surrounding you and you can, nobody else knows you. You can totally be that vulnerable person and just share your life's experiences because chances are you might, you might never see that person again, or you might make the best connection ever and end up being like really good friends for the rest of your life. And that happens a lot too. So yeah, the trail has this really like magical way of connecting people and that's, something super special. I think, like you said, the trail offers that, but there's not a whole lot of other places that do that because people are surrounded by loads of distractions in our everyday lives. Yeah. 
And so how how did you get involved with this whole podcasting piece of it? I mean, what was talking with people about nature like? Did that come from your through hike or was this when did you do the through hike or attempted through hike the through hike was in summer of 2015 okay um and yeah so the podcast I moved to Wyoming to Laramie Wyoming to do an MFA in creative writing and environmental studies it's like a dual degree here and through that degree I started an internship in the newsroom of Wyoming Public Radio Um, and I remember thinking that I was learning some really great skills. I almost feel like it almost feels like everyone should work in radio at some point, because when you write for radio, it has to be so clear and succinct and all the fat is just cut. And, um, and that was so good for my, all, all my writing, my creative writing, everything. So I was learning a lot and I was learning how to be a journalist, an ethical and thoughtful journalist who you know, gets good news judgment and, um, and learns how to find stories. So I was learning all these things in the newsroom, but I really wasn't loving daily news. That was something that felt, I was really craving, you know, pushing form and, and just like experimenting a little bit more and, you know, living with a story in a longer and different way than daily news asks for. And so, I was, you know, starting to think maybe radio is not for me, but then I heard a rumor at the station that they wanted to start a podcast of some kind. And the person who had started Human Nature, um, the original host of it is Caroline Ballard. And she had this idea for this podcast. She thought, you know, why don't we do something to do with storytelling and nature and people in the outdoors? Because at the time there just wasn't a lot like that. There were, there were some things, um, dirtbag diaries being very notable at the time. Um, but there wasn't a ton of stuff. And so we put our heads together with a couple of other team members And I volunteered. I was like, please, can I help produce this? (laughs) This sounds like so much fun. And so we put our heads together and came up with this concept and um, the name and, and launched this podcast. And it was so fun to be able to create a space that was just a place where people could tell stories. I think that it's, sort of rare right now in our society, which sounds like such an overblown thing to say, but it's sort of rare to have a space where people just make the time or have the time to sit and listen to one story from one person just face to face. But that feels so core to being human to me, that experience. So we, it was really important to us to create this space that was like that, that would be like sitting around a campfire and just listening to your friend tell a story of something that happened to them in the outdoors. And so that was our vision. And I think it's gone well. It's been, yeah, it's been about five and a half years now. And, you know, we've won several awards. We've been featured on, you know, a hundred NPR member stations and, um, it's been steadily growing. Listeners really seem to resonate with it. And so, yeah, I think it's this, I think it's this need that people really had for just an intimate story. Right, for sure. I love that you said, like, just as if you're sitting around the campfire with someone and just talking, like, we started our podcast out by having these little things called campfire chats with our friends when we would bring them out camping, and we would just pass around the phone, and we would just share our experiences on our camping trip. (laughs) I love that. And that's like kind of how ours started. But yeah, it's like just those connections that people are lacking when they're not in nature and not being immersed without all these distractions. But that's so funny because, yeah, that's totally how ours, it started from Campfire. No, and it makes sense that it's both of these things that started this way are podcasts, I think, because... I think audio is the most intimate way to tell a story because that's just kind of how it started, you know, with humans, humans telling stories 
we didn't have screens. We didn't have even pages that people were reading. It was just a person talking to another person. And so audio feels, it feels not accidental that these intimate stories um, of trying to become more human were through audio. Right. Well, and it's so interesting that like you have the background in radio, but you wanted to like go over to more storytelling podcasts. So, I mean, with that, would you ever go back to just radio or now that you've been in the podcasting world? Because like you were saying, the radio is so like kind of cut and dry. Is that kind of the way you were describing it, if I understood correctly? I think it depends. I mean, it probably depends on what, you know, sort of radio show that you're working on. But um, I was working just as an intern. So I was doing daily news in the newsroom. And I think though that, yeah, I think you're right. I think I just really love podcasting. I'm sort of married to it. I don't, I would do, um, I would do a podcast that was also made for broadcast, you know, which we make ours for broadcast every now and then too. But I just love podcasting. I think there's just so much, there's so much flexibility. You can go as long or as short as you need to. Um, I think it can be, higher quality because you aren't constrained by length. So um, you have to earn every minute, you know, that you take, but you also can take as long as it requires. And then also you aren't constrained necessarily by, you know, you aren't going to have an empty radio hour. It's not going to be dead air if you don't do it, you know, so it can just be really high quality can be your, can be your top priority. And I really love that about podcasting. Right. And I'm curious too, like, how has podcasting changed, if it hasn't, like, has it changed your relationship with nature since your podcast is kind of about humans and nature and their connection? Like, do you feel as if it shifted your relationship? I know in some ways it's like changed mine because, like, when I, like, meet people, I'm like, oh, maybe you could be a good person to dive into your story. (laughs) Yeah, definitely that has happened, what you're describing. But I think also, I remember, so before I came to grad school, I was working as a backpacking guide. I was teaching teens how to backpack and then in the winter, how to do winter camping. What company was that for? That's cool. I worked for the Boy Scouts. (laughs) Full circle. (laughs) Um, But I... Yeah, so I think that I was, and then moving to Laramie, I think um, in my, you know, mid-20s, I think I was really surrounded by people who, when they thought about somebody who was outdoorsy, it was somebody who was conquering in some way, like conquering a peak or conquering, (laughs) you know, like a new... I don't climb. So like, I'm going to mess up all of the terminology, but like conquering a new, like climbing line or whatever. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, like just really intense um, backcountry skiers, whatever the, whatever the sport was, um, kayaking, et cetera. I just was surrounded by these people who were conquerors and that's how they thought of their experience of the outdoors. And so I sort of pressured myself to be that way as well. And I was, you know, for a bit, but then that started to be exhausting because that wasn't how I wanted. That wasn't natural for me. That wasn't how I wanted to always be experiencing the outdoors. And so I think that actually human nature helped me really embrace that there are really valid stories and identities that are outdoorsy that aren't conquering stories or identities. So that's actually, that's one way that it has helped it has changed my relationship with nature. I love that so much. And um, like, I, I like that you guys are doing this episode that's coming up. I saw about how the pandemic has changed people's relationships with nature. And I think that's changed a lot of people's relationships with nature because so many people, that's what the, all they've had for the past year. That's the only thing that's been open. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and like you said, like conquering, so many people have to feel like they have to go out and do this like big adventure and a big hike, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I mean, I would say that having a baby has definitely taught me that too. (laughs) Like, it's just about slowing down and really being out there in nature. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's so funny because I'm so used to being the interviewer. So now I want to ask you all these questions about like how it's your having your baby has changed you in nature. Maybe I need to come on your podcast. Maybe you should. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys have such a big team too with your podcasting thing. Like when you started it out, you said there was a few people, but has it grown over the five years? So that's an interesting question because... None of, not one member of the team works full-time on human nature. Um, All of us have a lot of other responsibilities. Those of us who are full-time have other responsibilities at the station. Um, I, you know, edit other podcasts that the station does and produce them sometimes. Um, And then also host a music show that we have, do fun drive production. It's just kind of like us, you know, we all just sort of pitch in in a lot of different ways. And then there's a lot of, there are a few, um, interns and volunteers and part-timers that we've had over the years who help out with human nature. Um, So it's not, it feels sort of like (laughs) a startup inside this larger station. It's like, oh, like we're going to go work on our creative project over here in the middle of all this other stuff that's going on. Um, But it's, yeah, it's kind of like expanded and shrunk mostly to do with mostly because of part-timers and interns and volunteers coming and going. But it seems like there's always people who are interested in working on it. Usually they, they email us and we're like, come on, let's, let's do it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that's super cool that like you are all, you are connected to Wyoming public media because like podcasting has just like boomed over the last five years, whatever, even like the past year it's boomed it's like going crazy. So that's awesome that you guys work under this giant, bigger piece. And then that's funny that you say you're like a bunch of like entrepreneurs doing your own thing too. I like that though. Well, and it's like you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to like keep life a little exciting and creative. Like entrepreneurs are just naturally like curious, creative people. And I feel like we always find a way to make things a little more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's human nature has been one of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing about working at Wyoming public media. It's, it's just, yeah, it's exactly what you said. It just, it just keeps me accountable to being curious and creative and having fun. So do you guys have like a format for all your seasons or does it, do you usually record them before they all come out or how does that work? Yeah. So we, um, When we start a season, we usually have some sort of overarching goals like that are pretty broad, like um, things that we felt like we missed or that we haven't explored enough, like types of stories we haven't explored enough that we like to get more into um, and things like that. But for the most part, it's just when we start a season, we'll have usually several episodes already done. But after that, it's just kind of as it goes. Um, so kind of a format, but basically no. And then we have two, we have two episodes each season that are recurring series episodes, um, that are kind of outside of our usual format. We have one that's a Halloween episode called the in-between and then another one that's every spring called animal encounters, you know, like sort of like short little mini stories about animal encounters they've had, because I think that's like a fun springtime springtime one as the animals are starting to come out. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, gosh, the animals come out like now too. Like I see footprints everywhere in the snow, which is so cool too. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So being in Wyoming, what's your favorite place to like go out and hike? Just like if you had to go for a day, where would you pick? Well, so, oh, that's such a great, great question because um, Wyoming is a big state, but where I live, I really love the snowy range, which is right near Laramie. Um, And it's actually, my understanding is it's called the snowy range, not because it's perpetually snowy, although it does perpetually have snow, but because there's this white rock that is very prevalent in the snowy range. Um, I think it's granite, but the geologists who are hearing this would probably call me out on that. Um, (laughs) Some kind of white rock that's very quartzy and that really reflects the light in this very snowy way from afar. And so I think it's called the snowy range for that reason. But it's a beautiful little range that's close by and it's small, but you know, like there are no big population centers around. And so there aren't many people out there and all year round, it's amazing. Like 
I guess every time of year, except for the spring, which is mud season in Wyoming. Um, but in the summer, you know, there's these big, beautiful mountains to climb. Now in the winter, there's gorgeous cross-country skiing. So I think that's my favorite place to hike. That sounds awesome. Okay, now as you're describing that, I'm remembering when we were driving through, is it the Sawtooth Mountains that are in Wyoming or is that Montana? That's Montana, I think. Okay, because those have like some icy and glaciers on them and I remember when we were driving through there there was this woman and there was like these ER medical people and this woman had fallen from like she slipped on a like like a little glacier and she was just like so so bloody and it really freaked me out but that's what I was picturing when you were describing like a little bit of like snowy area (laughs) Wow, that sounds really, really intense. Okay, yeah, that's the sawtooths. But sawtooths were beautiful, too. Yeah, I've never been to the sawtooths. I would love to visit those. Yeah. And being from, well, since you're not from Wyoming, but you live there, do you frequent Yellowstone? So I, since I've lived here, I think I've been to Yellowstone twice. It's the opposite corner of the state from where I live. And I have a dog and dogs aren't allowed in national parks. So that's a big part of my hiking choices as well. Um, But there are some really gorgeous national forests that circle Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone that are just totally off the beaten path and really beautiful. Um, So whenever I'm in the northeast, northwestern corner of the state, then I like to visit some of those areas. Yeah, we um, we took a pretty big road trip a couple summers ago and we like did a lot of national forest camping around there we visited Yellowstone but yeah we had our dog with us too so we didn't stay in there but that's awesome that you live out there um do you think there's any like big misconceptions about the state of Wyoming that you could debunk for people oh my gosh that's such a good question I don't know. So what do people think about? Tell me what the, tell me what people think about Wyoming. <laughs> I don't know. Like before I went there, I just pictured it like a bunch of open space, like just land forever and ever, which I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I think I kind of like pictured like a bunch of cowboys. Mm-hmm. Let's say that's a stereotype I had. I think, so when people think of Wyoming, they tend to think of Jackson um, in the Jackson area. Jackson is a small town that's sort of the gateway to Grand Teton National Park and then Yellowstone. But so I guess like one thing I would say is that if you're visiting Wyoming, you know, try to go beyond Jackson because I think Jackson is beautiful. I love Jackson, but it's the most, what it like, let me make sure I get it, get this right. It's the highest income per capita of any county in the United States, like in the whole U.S. It's the richest place. Um, There's like movie stars that have like their fourth homes there. The billionaires are pushing out the millionaires. You know, it's like really a very wealthy area. And so it's worth checking out. It's beautiful, but, um, so it's like the Hollywood of Wyoming. Yes. Actually, one time I was walking on, I was like in LA walking to the Hollywood sign to go like check on that hike, to go check out the Hollywood sign. And you walk through a neighborhood to get to that trail. And I saw a Jackson license plate. So literally it's Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah, Um, totally. But I think, uh, yeah, I, I hope that I would encourage people to go beyond Jackson because there's so many beautiful places to hike and go outdoors that beyond Yellowstone and the Tetons um, and really interesting little towns like all throughout Wyoming. There's this funny little bookstore on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. One of the best used bookstores I've ever been to, but it's totally in the middle of nowhere. And Wyoming is full of things like that. And so I would hope that I would encourage people to to get into places outside of Jackson in the Northwest. Yeah, just find those fun little hidden gems. Yeah, I know we had so much fun just like checking out the National Forest and really getting off the beaten path there. So cool. So, oh yeah, I also forgot to mention that when I was, I discovered your guys' podcast when I was searching, so I had another person on the podcast who runs like a hunting school called Human Nature Hunting. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then your podcast popped up as like suggested podcasts. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But that, yeah, it's just like so funny how in like the 
connections with like the outdoors and people in the outdoors. There's a lot of similar names that you come by, but yeah. everybody's a little bit different and everybody has their own little niche in the outdoor world. Yeah, definitely. That's so true. So like with that, what type of like you guys are a storytelling podcast, but do you have like specific people you look for for storytelling or do you pretty much let anyone share their story? Um, the tough thing about um, finding stories for human nature is that it's a little different from a lot of podcasts or shows that are really interview based because it's so plot driven. Um, somebody has to really have a plot. So we'll get pitches from authors who, you know, have their book coming out. That's about usually a really interesting issue to do with the outdoors um, or with recreation, but there isn't like a personal story that they have. It's more like conceptual. So that tends to be what we look for is somebody who has a story over a concept, which can be hard to find sometimes, but. Well, yeah. And I was thinking like listening to so many of your podcasts, I mean, those people just like share, they share a lot. So it, it almost does need to be someone who's willing to talk a lot and just like share so much and be so vulnerable, like we're talking about. And I think that can be hard for people when they're, not being prompted with questions necessarily, but do you like help to prompt them when people come Oh on? yeah, we have, okay. we have an hour long interview that we cut down into 20, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're definitely being prompted. It's a, it's a whole interview process. Okay. I've always wondered about those styles of podcasts and like how those work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you have like a, some favorite episodes that people have done with you I mean five seasons or five years is a lot (laughs) yeah I think that it's so interesting because I think that my favorites tend to be really dark (laughs) um one of my favorites is called the hunt and it's the story of this woman who um is a bow hunter very Katniss Everdeen energy. She's really a great bow hunter. She practices every day. Um, she runs a bow hunting nonprofit to get more women into, into hunting. And she was just a beautiful storyteller who told us the story of this elk that like this one particular hunting story of going after this elk I won't give away what happens, but she just has this relationship with this elk that feels really some, it just felt, excuse me, it felt really like important and, um, and just beautiful. She really just puts you in the space and we tried to sound design it in a way that, that just enhanced her words. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Another is called Carbon and Dust and it's, the story of a woman who loses her husband and it's about his death. Um, so again, like these really dark things, but as you mentioned, it's hard. It's, it's one of my favorite things about human nature is how vulnerable people are willing to be and how they really invite you into their story and who they are. Um, and so I think my favorite episodes are the ones where that has really shined. Another one of my favorite episodes is less dark ish, but it's, My favorite because it was the first one I produced all the way through. (laughs) Um, And it's called, so I just have a fond place in my heart for it. It's called Hoof Prints on the Heart. Um, And it's about a man who walks across, across the Americas, basically. He walks from Oregon to the tip of the southern tip of South America over the course of several years with a donkey. And it's about him and his donkey. Oh my gosh. Wait, how long ago did he do that? Uh, he did that. He must have finished the trip in, I think, like 2015 or 16 or so. With his donkey. Okay, so awesome. Usually it's yeah. like with their dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially across the United States. Yeah. Like, I feel like you'd hear a donkey maybe in like South America. <laughs> well, so I think that's what I think he walked across the United States by himself and then acquired the donkey in Mexico and continued the trip to the tip of South America with the donkey, whose name was Judas. Love it. I'm going to have to go listen to that. Cute. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I love that you were talking about the one, the woman who bow hunts and had, like, a deep connection with the elk because going back to the podcast or the guy that I talked to on a different episode, Human Nature Hunting, he was talking so much about his relationship with animals when he goes out in nature. And that was, like, very eye-opening to me to have that conversation with someone on the podcast because I didn't really – I've never hunted before, um, so I didn't really know a lot about that. So hearing different perspectives and people's experiences out there, it goes back to how podcasting has kind of opened up my eyes to it and probably your eyes too. Yeah. No, I agree. I um, I'm sort of fascinated by hunting. I'm not a hunter either. And growing up in Texas, it was such a masculine thing. It just felt like it just felt like the realm of a, not just men, but a certain kind of man. Do you know what I mean? Like it felt like, um, absolutely like a certain kind of masculinity and, and it just never really was that exciting or interesting to me, but until I moved to Wyoming and so many, most of the hunters I know here are women, which is so inspiring to me. And they're doing it in different ways and in ways that seem to be very like thoughtful about, their connection with the land and environmentalism um, in ways that really align with my values. And so it's been so interesting. I still have never hunted, but I would, I would love to try now because, um, because these women have really inspired me. Yeah. I, I totally get what you mean about like the masculinity of it. Like I kind of, I stereotyped hunters as just like people who would want to go out and kill an animal just for the thrill of the kill. But this podcast is definitely opening up my eyes and just talking to people and hearing experiences. And I think that's what conversations and podcasts are about too. Just letting people share experiences so we can put those judgments down. I totally agree. And I also think hearing you say that, I feel like it comes full circle to the whole conquering thing, you know, like my idea of hunting was that it was about conquering and that didn't resonate with me. And then I realized it's not about conquering it's about something deeper and more nuanced that I still don't think I can fully articulate because I'm not a hunter, but, um, yeah, it's when, for me, it's when I, I can understand a way that isn't conquering, then I connect with it. So like, in what ways have you, what's like the most recent way you've connected with the outdoors, would you say, or with nature? We were talking about how the pandemic has changed our relationship with nature. And for me, I, for the first time in my life, put up a bird feeder. <laughs> and so this isn't even outdoor recreation. It's just a bird feeder, but it's right outside. I'm looking at it right now. It's right outside my window, um, right next to my desk. So I work from home now because of the pandemic. And I look out my window and can see this bird feeder and all of these little songbirds just come and visit me throughout the day. And I, I'm not a real birder because I don't know what they are. Like I can't identify birds yet. I'm, I'm on the verge of purchasing a field guide, but I look at these birds and it just feels like company and it feels like this connection. And I never even honestly really paid attention to birds much before or knew that there were birds in the winter time in Wyoming that seemed impossible, but here they are. And And I've even turned into my mother a little bit because sometimes squirrels come and I like, knock on the window and like chase them away. <laughs> so yeah, I, that's like been my most recent connection to nature is putting up this bird feeder and really learning about the birds that are just this silent, sweet company that we have all the time that I never knew about or paid attention to. Well, and that's so simple. And it, it just shows that the outdoor doesn't need to be like this big recreation thing either. It can be as simple as a bird feeder. Exactly. <laughs> or just sitting outside. So you said banging away the squirrels or whatever, but doesn't your dog do that? Well, so the <laughs> the bird feeder is in the front yard, not the backyard. And so she's not really, she doesn't have access, unfortunately. Oh. Very unfortunate to her heart, I'm sure, <laughs> to the squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she is, a, is she a big hiking buddy of yours? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a really great hiker. Um, what are some of your tips for getting out with dogs? I mean, we hike with our dog a lot too. And I just think dog edit trail etiquette and dogs is like a big thing. So what are some of your tips that you've come across hiking with dogs? So I always 
even if it's in a place where dogs are allowed off leash, I always bring a leash, even if I don't, you know, leash her. And that way, when I see, you know, people that might be afraid of dogs, um, I have a friend who is a runner and she doesn't have a dog and she has twice and on two separate occasions been randomly bitten by people, other hikers, dogs. And I don't want to, you know, I mean, my dog would never bite anyone. She's the sweetest creature, but I don't want to give anyone who has had that experience any kind of worry while they're trying to recreate. So whenever I see people, usually I put her on a leash just to make sure that they're comfortable. Yeah. Otherwise I have a really good little doggy backpack for when we go backpacking <laughs> and she loves it. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I can't speak for her. I don't know if she loves it, <laughs> but, um, but she seems to like it because she associates it with adventure when, when I put it on. Um, and it, that means that when we're on short little backpacking trips, she can carry her own food um, and treats. We have one of those too. And we let our dog carry her poop out also. <laughs> Oh, smart. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know that I have anything groundbreaking or anything, but um, I don't know, get a doggy backpack and make sure other people can be as comfortable on the trail as you are. Those are my tips. Yeah, I like those tips. Totally validated and agree with that. (laughs) 100%. So going back to the podcast, yours, where can people find it if they were curious about the Human Nature podcast? Yeah, so Human Nature is all one word with just one N is how it's spelled. And you can find it anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Um, If you just type in Human Nature, all one word, one N. Awesome. Were there different like titles you thought of for the podcast before Human Nature was decided? (laughs) It's funny because... We were in the station and we had put all these post-it notes all over this interior window um, of just different keywords and like themes that we thought the podcast had. And we were just like stumped, like staring at all these words, like, what is this podcast going to be called? Like, and we were just, and we were just volleying things back and forth and none of them were really sticking or resonating. And then this other coworker who has nothing to do with podcasts um, walked by and he was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and we said, we're trying to think of a name for this podcast. And, and he was like, well, like, and he looked at the, and he looked at all of our keywords and he's like, what's this podcast about, about again? And we're like humans and nature. And he was like human nature. And we we're like, uh, <laughs> that's the name of our podcast. Thank you, sir. Sometimes it takes someone being not involved to help you realize what's obvious. <laughs> right it's like the most simple thing (laughs) but just getting into all the little details and the rabbit hole of all the different possibilities exactly yeah that's so fantastic is there anything that like we haven't talked about I've I mean we've kind of bounced all over yeah we have um I don't think so. I'm really thankful to have been on your podcast on hiking through life and to meet you, Sarah. This has been really fun. Yeah. Oh, wait. I know what I was going to ask you about. It sounds like you've ran two different podcasts also called Science Camp. Oh, so Science Camp was actually part of human nature. It was just a little series that we did that was about just a human side of science So we interviewed this guy who was raised as a creationist, um, someone who believed that the earth was, you know, 6,000 years old and there wasn't any evolution. And now he is a paleontologist um, and studies evolution for a living and has become, I think he would call himself either an agnostic or an atheist. And so we, I interviewed him about um, just that journey from, being a creationist to becoming a paleontologist. And there were others like that. We, a couple of other scientists that we interviewed and we were just, our goal was to just look at the human side of science because so often I think science can feel like a big mass that's really inaccessible to non-scientists, but they're, they're people. And I don't know, I think it's interesting to think about where they come from and how they got to do this work. Awesome. Yeah. I, I will definitely want to listen to that one too, because I, yeah, I mean, science to me is like blown out of my mind and it's, yeah, it's a lot to grasp, but like you said, they're humans. 
Yeah, totally. And then the other, the other unusual series we did was called the event horizon. And it's about, I basically just learned that black holes, um, their finding might be integral to creating galaxies. And that was so fascinating to me because we think of black holes as the most destructive force in the universe. And here they are integral to creating important parts of the universe. And so that really got me thinking about the relationship between creation and destruction. And I wondered if destruction was always required in order to create. And so I sort of asked that question, starting with black holes and detoured through artists and mothers and God, and then ended with thinking about death um, in an upbeat way. (laughs) So it was a lot of fun and really like just so much fun to produce and write. And so that was the other sort of special series that we did. Okay, wait, and you said your background wasn't like journalism, but nothing to do with like geology or science or anything. You just like, you you like that stuff, huh? I guess, so my undergrad degree is in geography and anthropology. And then my master's is in creative writing and environmental studies. So I've definitely like academically been thinking about science and social science. For sure. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Cause I could like hear all the passion when you're talking about that, but yeah, now, now I see the connections. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely put all the links for the human nature podcast in our show notes. Great. Well, thank you so much for, um, for doing this. And I loved it. It was so much fun to meet you. And oh my gosh, your sweet baby. Yes, here's the baby. <laughs> baby, baby. Hi, Rory. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's so cute. His little cheeks. Yes. Hi. Yes. Little cheeks. <laughs> yes. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.